Welcome to the Green Team Speaks To, a podcast from the Paulson Institute's Green Finance Center. I'm Andy Morimoto, Director of Research at the Paulson Institute. Today I'm speaking with Gwen Yu. Gwen recently joined JP Morgan as an Executive Director and is helping set up their newly created Global Markets Sustainability Center. Previously, she was Head of Sustainable Business Strategy and Innovation at BNP Paribas. She was a member of the European Commission's Platform on Sustainable Finance and an alternate in the informal work group that helped set up the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures. In this conversation, we cover climate-related financial risks, the role of financial institutions in government policy in addressing climate change, business risks, biodiversity loss, much else. A quick note that Gwen is sharing her personal views today, and her comments do not necessarily reflect those of J.P. Morgan or the other organizations that she is affiliated with. Gwen, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks, Andy. Nice to be here. So before we get started, can you tell our listeners just about how you came to focus on sustainable finance in the first place? Maybe just a few words on your background and what you're focused on now. Sure. It's a bit of a circuitous route. I started my career as a management consultant and then got laid off during the whole dot-com bust. I was looking at tech and biotech at the time. Decided to move to China to be closer to my roots and then started out the CSR practice for Edelman, which at the time was primarily corporate philanthropy. Left kind of this space for a bit and then Five years ago, I was tapped to head up the sustainable business strategy for BNP Paribas, reporting up to their chief sustainability officer. So my mandate there was threefold. One was looking at the group itself and how do we promote and understand sustainability so everybody would have the same baseline. Second, it was looking at the coverage that we had for sustainable finance across the group and how do we have that conversations and expand opportunities and mitigate risks with our clients. And then lastly was a policy hat because I sat on the European Commission's platform on sustainable finance and also worked to set up the the TNFD, the Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosures. And since then, I joined JP Morgan and I'm working on their Market Sustainability Center, looking at CIB markets products and how to integrate sustainability within these products. So one of the big focus areas of sustainable finance is how we manage climate-related financial risks. So I'm curious how you think about these risks and how climate risks compares with more traditional financial risks like credit risk or uh, liquidity risk. So I think that it's related, but for climate-related risk, I don't think that we're so used to thinking about it or measuring it yet within the financial system. I mean, obviously, there has been a lot of progress made over the last X number of years. But if you take kind of financial accounting as is, then that's been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. But within kind of climate finance, we're still trying to figure that out. However, it is a very necessary impact in terms of what's going to be there for our bottom line, not just from an economic perspective, but also from a social welfare perspective. And it's really how we assess that from a holistic way versus just looking at it on a line-by-line item because there are certain things that may be within climate risk right now that you can't really model out within the three to five years that we typically look at because it's a longer-term affair. So how do we 
deal with those risks? And more specifically, what role do you think financial institutions have in dealing with uh, these climate-related risks and more broadly with the, the challenge of climate change? I think we hold a responsibility as a financial player similar to what all the other players out there hold in the sense that as a bank, the bank pretty much functions as intermediary because we're taking money and then we're spending money out. So we have the responsibility to figure out, well, for the money that we are taking in, is that where we want to be taking money in? And for our shareholders, how are we assessing that in terms of future impact? And how are we then future-proofing our investments, so to speak, and our assets, so to speak? And then going forward in terms of where we're spending our money, are we also spending our money in things that align with what the corporate thinks the goals should be in terms of what they've committed to as a corporate themselves? And in that sense, how is then that helping any type of just transition or net zero commitments that you make as a financial institution? So we're part of the solution, I would say. How do you think some of the financial technologies or fintech are fitting into some of those solutions? It will, so there are three parts to it. One is as a potential investment, the bank can help some of the fintechs out there and also can help accelerate some of the much needed technology that's going to be needed in order to get us to 1.5 degrees or net zero. Second, mm is as you look at kind of climate finance, climate risk, you're going to need technology to help kind of monitor and look at if what you say you're doing in terms of impact is actually being done. And you will need technology for that. So that can be from a supply chain assessment, we have satellite technology, all the way to like crunching the data of all the various you know loads of information that you're going to get. And then lastly, is how does then that integrate into the rest of the ecosystem that you would have in the sense of if you are looking at a particular financial transaction you're going to have various stakeholders out there one of which will be fintech either within the monitoring space or in another format as part of that transactional chain so when you zoom out big picture Thinking about how these financial institutions and banks are going to get to net zero, how do you think about uh, the biggest challenges that they're going to face to get there? I think the biggest challenge now is that if you ask anybody if they have a very clear path of how they're going to net zero, anybody who tells you that, yes, they do, I would probably have a very big question mark because, one, we don't know what technology is coming. Second is a lot of those net zero commitments right now, people are working towards, you know, operational and business efficiencies, but afterwards, then what? Then potentially carbon offsets that could go through neutrality, but then really carbon offsets that market's still being looked at and being settled at the moment. So I think the challenge is big. I do think that the first step in meeting any kind of challenge is to set these big goals and ambition for yourself to know where you're steering towards and the fact that i think the last number that we saw in terms of you know commitments that big corporations have made 
there's at least like a fifth of the big corporations out there that have signed up to these type of commitments or some form of targeting within their own specific operations and strategy. So that's always the first step. Granted, you know, having flown the sustainability flag for a long time, we're not getting there fast enough. But the fact that we're it going and rowing in that direction gives me a little bit of hope. So that takes us to the role of policy. Uh, and in the U.S., we just saw Congress pass one of the most sweeping pieces of climate legislation in history. So I'm curious how you think about the role of policy, how you think about some of this legislation's impact on climate finance, and what other kinds of government policies do you think we're going to need to get to net zero? I think there's been a big push, and it's it's great the the climate regulation that came out of the the climate package that came out of the U.S. recently. But I think there's been a lot of push initially now on disclosures and definitions of what green or potentially social could be. And we see this adoption from the various regions going forward. So in the EU, as you know, we have the taxonomy regulations. We have SFDR from a fund manager perspective. And this is really the first step for us to be able to compare apples to apples. Because what's been the big hurdle in the past is everybody kind of had their own methodology. And at this point, it's still kind of the the nascent part of trying to figure out how to implement a lot of these disclosures and, and regulations coming up. So there are some moving parts and some gray area. But again, going back to what I said before, because this is something that's really new, we're, we, we're going to need to give it time to kind of evolve. But the fact that these are now in place from a finance perspective, I'm able to compare A, B, and C in a similar way. That would allow me to make the right decision in order to figure out where it is that I want to put my money. Can you say a little bit more about uh, the European policy approach and how that compares with what we're seeing in the U.S. and in other regions? I think there are probably some challenges regardless of what region you're coming from because we're all going to be needing some sort of local specificities depending on the country and the region just because of the demand and the needs of your particular population. But what is heartening to see is that despite the fact that there are a lot of differences, although the, the, you know, the, the differences are, are really in, in the detail, is that there is some form of consolidation happening within the various types of regulations in the sense that if you look at what the SEC put out recently, right, a lot of that was based off of, you know, TCFD type framework. If you're looking at other new frameworks that are being created, like the TNFD in terms of disclosures, that has TCFD bases. And then if you look at how the EU taxonomy is defining green, then that's really rooted in the science. And a lot of the other disclosures out there are either basing themselves on what the EU has set forth because they were really a precursor in terms of the definitions for taxonomy regulations and whatnot. And I think that's that's good because from coming, I've always, I've pretty much worked in uh, multinational companies most of my life and having kind of a global purview, it's going to become really hard to implement regulations if you're going to have to do it on a region per region basis and it may not give you a similar result. But I mean, 
it's not a done deal, right? You're still going to have a lot of discrepancies right now, but it's converging. So just to switch gears a little bit to a related risk that you alluded to in your last answer, but it gets a little bit fewer headlines in climate change, and that's the biodiversity crisis. So I'm curious about how you think about some of the business risks from biodiversity loss or nature loss and how you think financial institutions will play a role in mitigating some of those risks. So it's a risk, I think, for a lot of the corporates that are heavily involved in this. That's already something that they've had to consider in terms of you know project finance calculations and within their operations where they would like to work from or work in and what type of mitigation or adaptation activities they would have to put in place in order to be you know, net neutral within their biodiversity impact. One of the challenges that has always come up in biodiversity and nature as a whole is the issue of data. Because if I am an asset manager and I want to assess, for example, biodiversity impact, I want to look at a lot of different factors. I want to look uh, where, if it's if, if it's a mining thing, I want to look at where that mine is coming from. How am I storing it? What's the impact in terms of the wildlife that's there? Are there any kind of deforestation that's happening? And you have to go through that, the entire kind of value chain, right? So there's a lot of varied information that may not necessarily be in a format that's easily consumable for somebody who's doing the assessment, especially because we're typically not on the ground for a lot of these projects. So you're assessing it from far. So right now, in a lot of the work that's being done, there's some form of standardization that's happening because we will hopefully be able to look at for this specific type of project, these are the various things that you would be able to assess. And this is the data where you would be able to get that from. And why that's important is because for the longest time, we've had, you know, GHG emissions and GHG intensity in terms of being able to look at carbon, right? But we haven't really had this type of equivalent, at least as something that that speaks to the public as easy, quote unquote, as what GHG emissions is. But I think nature is getting there. It's definitely important. We've seen the negative impact that it's had in terms of all the different natural disasters that we've experienced over the last two, three years, and even, you know, COVID and whatnot, at the end of the day, it will have an impact. We are currently trying to figure out how to assess for it. And the regulations and policies and hopefully frameworks are coming up in the various initiatives that are going on out there, one of which is TNFD. One final question then. So when you look at uh, some of these issues we've been talking about and you consider the the regulatory, the the business, the, the technological landscape for these issues, what trend lines give you the most hope? One, that we are past the awareness stage and two, people are making commitments, but also putting out operational plans on how they're going to implement it. Three, that there is other stakeholder challenge to these plans beyond just corporates, big corporates are bad. They're actually looking at the data behind the science behind and if they're actually going to get there or not. And lastly, that policy and regulation is rowing in the same direction as where the businesses are going. So the tail is not wagging the dog anymore. 
if I want to, if I want to use that phrase. And given that you have all these various stakeholders and people and institutions in a position to be able to do something that will have an impact and that will be able to enact change, then that gives me hope. That's a great note to end on. When you thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for joining us on the Green Team Speaks to. Listen to more episodes or learn more about the Paulson Institute's work on green finance. Please visit us at paulsoninstitute.org.